Hello, everyone, and welcome to the M&M Podcast. This is episode 16, and I am Michael Gallagher, uh, a lecturer in digital education at the Center for Research in Digital Education at the University of Edinburgh. And I'm Miles Blaney. Um, I'm a service manager in digital learning applications and media, which is based in learning, teaching, and web, which is based in information services at the University of Edinburgh, too. In Scotland, and the world. In the, the world, world, and somewhere... <laughs> Yeah, I love it. See, see, writing my title sometimes, you know, I just get tired. I'm like, ah, and I can understand why acronyms are so popular. I agree. There's so many bylines on my title that I don't. I'm not sure how many of these are necessary, depending on who I'm talking to. (laughs) Uh, So, I think your signature sometimes there's like a website footer page, or the you know, it's like all the kind of privacy. But you're like, wow, that's a lot of stuff going on after Michael's name. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. So we've been encouraged to put certain things in our signatures and etc. that make it a little bit a little bit bulky, I think. Yeah. I think I think every year they kinda of suggest that you do this and that. And yeah. I think um I think I think having a LinkedIn profile associated this year was quite a big thing. And then your University of Edinburgh profile as well. So having that LinkedIn and I was like, Oh goodness me, because I've already got the blog in there and I was like, do, do the podcast? Yeah. I think I don't know if podcast is in there anymore. I yeah, I, I I I just have a, a link to the center at this point, and I, I don't bother sending anything anywhere else. <laughs> that's that's all I have. All I have in me right now. I, uh, you gotta list down people just have their name. Like, I can yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and here's cool. an email address. Maybe, but you're all already emailing them. Yeah, address, so, so what's, know, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Telling it? you everything about yeah. me. So uh, yeah, so t- today's episode we're sort of building on. Uh, uh, the last episode we had, episode 15, which was introducing hybrid, mm. uh, basically giving a lay of the land about the different universities and what they're doing. Uh, and that what we're doing at the University of Edinburgh is largely around this hybrid approach. Um, so and today we'll try to give it a little bit more teeth, a little bit more s- substance and see if we can start to work down a little bit into some of the issues around it and how we're working through those issues and and. And some anecdotal evidence that we have uh, from a course I'm teaching and, and different things like that. So I think this, the title, the whole thematic title of this episode would be The Pivot Isn't Easy. Yeah, see, see now you've said that. I'm like, ah, we should probably just say hybrid isn't easy. Yes, we're not actually talking about a pivot anymore, no, really. Just saying, so, hybrid isn't easy. Hybrid isn't easy. I think that's safe mm, to say. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, lo- there's lots of things that, you know, once you start scratching at it, you realize... Oh crap! There's tons of stuff in here. That's right. There are a lot of things involved for sure. Uh, being an eternal optimist that I am, I, I'm confident that we can find um, <laughs> we can we can find answers to these things and the difficulties posed therein. I mean, it really is a like a systematic, very complex rethink of what we're what we are as a university and how we perform our functions as a university. So, yeah. There's lots of moving parts. Yeah, and there's there's certain aspects of it as well. So it, it, we're talking not just about um, the digital aspects, it's also the physical aspects of it, you know, because the current phase that we're in, um, it being phase one in Scotland, um, you know, you can't two metres distance apart from people um, is what you're meant to be doing. So there's the physical aspects of how you implement hybrid on campus. That's right, and I think I think before we kick into the the challenges, I think we have zeroed in on the fact that the real, at least uh, from a learning design perspective, the the real critical bit 
is the synchronous things, the synchronous activities. So what would be traditionally like your lecture, your your tutorial group or your group study activity or whatever it might be, that anything that requires some synchronicity will suggest to us that there needs to be uh, on-campus and online component of that. So that's the challenging bit. And this is most of what most of our thinking around this is really about how do we organize those event, those uh, live events essentially with social distancing in mind. Mm. And the problem is also not making one group or the other feel uh, inferior, secondary, an afterthought, an other, whatever, however you want to phrase yeah, that. Yeah, I think there's, because there is that kind of, you know, sometimes that's perception of of maybe the online group being secondary. Do you know what I mean? That's um, right. So there's that kind of, it's a, it's a less, it's, you know, I think there's I'm reading stuff in the last few weeks you know, it's funny, an online degree is less than, or it's not as equivalent to an on-campus degree and all those kind of stuff. And an experience and all that kind of stuff is less. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, yeah, to- it's, yeah, we need to pause a little bit on that Ooh. stuff. It's, uh, there is the, the sense that um, what's happened here is it's actually surfaced in some respects. You know, I guess crisis always does this, but it, it, it surfaced in some respects some lingering uh some sort of tacit bias that may or may not have been percolating through the university, uh, through any university, really, it surfaced a lot of those things. Mm. And so you're having conversations. Uh, so I teach online. I mean, just to give a little background, I teach online. I've, I've only teach online. Uh, our, our, our MSc program is one of the 70 or so at the University of Edinburgh that are fully online. So we have a, a sizable contingent of our, of our students uh, in the entire student population are online, but we've worked very hard to try to make them feel part of the community and try to engage with them. But what we haven't had much success with is having them engage with the on-campus cohorts. Mm. So there is this constant sense that you're othered, uh, less so I think at the university of Edinburgh than most, but you're still, there's still this constant kind of tension between, uh, being in the in the group in the whatever that is and being on on the outskirts of of that group and the clique yeah that's right that's uh there's always that little bit of that tension so we saw this as an opportunity maybe to 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 get through some of that uh but it definitely surfaced what you said it definitely surfaced ideas of of what we're seeing on twitter what we're seeing in the university uh and elsewhere about this is an inferior uh, uh, you know, this is an inferior educational experience, even if done properly, mm. that uh, 30 years of online edu- or distance education research don't really matter. Uh, that Open University haven't been doing this for a <laughs> long, you know long time. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's one of the things. So I, I think Anne-Marie, who, who did a podcast with previously in Athabasca, I think she replied to somebody saying, imagine us doing online education and having online institutions that deliver online education. <laughs> You know, that, like, would, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? And you're like, well, you know, it's, it's just uh, the irony of it all the people, all these people are ranting about it now. And you're like, well, there's tons of places that deliver it. And, and like you said already, we, we've we been doing online education at the University of Edinburgh for, for years and years and years. Yes. Yeah, as if, yeah, I agree. Then, So the open, univer- open university model should have, uh, well, it should have like been a counterweight to any of those arguments taking place, but it clearly wasn't. Mm. Uh, and open university models exist the world over. Uh, so 
uh, they've been exported and they, they, they run, they have different remits. I mean, we should mention that too. They have generally have different remits as, uh, Anne-Marie was talking about mm. th- than, than other kinds of universities. But the fact is they are run entirely online. Now, what a lot of people are pushing back on too, is the idea that what this is, and we you see a lot of news, uh, sensational news articles around, is this the great test for uh, online education. education. And, okay. and well, it's not. This is generally a remote response. It's a, an emergency response, what it has been up to this point. And so to say this is fully online education, that's sort of a disservice to to education and online. Mm. But this is more of a like a response. This is an emergency response. So you see a lot of tension in these discussions about what this is and what it isn't. But really, some of the pinch points that we're seeing at the university around the idea of hybrid uh, what we would just call design challenges. Let's just call them that. Design challenges. The first one being largely capacity. Mm. Okay, and I think this is this is a critical one. Bodies. So, so Miles, what did you mean by that one? So, I, like, you know, I think if you look at the jobs that are being advertised right now by the university, there's a lot of learning technologies that need to be recruited into areas to actually to facilitate, you know, this transition period, this move to facilitate maybe courses that weren't didn't have any presence to maybe some presence to maybe need, like you say, design um, to make them uh, more accessible online. So there's, I think there's this kind of presumption that, oh yeah, well, but how many, I think we have four and a half thousand courses or 5,000 courses last year. And I think, we're, I think we're dropping a 10th of them. So there's all these courses that will have to be, um, or some, there'll be not all the courses, obviously, but there'll be a large majority of courses that will have to be looked at and to be revised. So it's actually having the people, that can sit there and actually do it. Um, and there's this great presumption that, you know, like you say, the design, it's it's funny how sometimes with, you know, online education, it's a bit like a web page. If you go to a web page and it's not being designed very well, you don't enjoy your experience, you don't get anything off it, and you probably try and find your information somewhere else. And it's kind of the same for online education. If it's not designed very well, and there's no thought process going into it, then it's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's two bits to that, right? So the first bit is that we can come up with the greatest solution in the world. We can we can think it mm. and we can articulate it and we can lay it, lay it out on paper and make it a strategy. But you're right. Ultimately, there are people on the ground who need to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and that really is a pinch point, not only in terms of the technologist, and, and you're right, that's probably the most the most uh, growth industry in 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 the world, Brilliant. at least in in this sector, uh, it's is learning technologists and instructional designers and people like that. Uh, but it's also the pinch point on the side of the faculty. I think is because these are notoriously time poor uh, individuals to say that they now have the summer to go back out and redesign uh, their entire. Uh, all their courses and all their programs. It's it's a tall it's a tall ask, but oh, yeah. ultimately uh, a necessary one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. So resource. When you say resource, what do you mean? So by resource that? is um. So you've got the bodies in, but it's the time. This this window is when's term starting here? September, mid September time. So the the resource having the time to actually build all these things. That's it. And I'm yeah. I you know it's summertime coming up. Um, and I, people are always like, yeah, we'll do that in the summertime. I'm like, yeah, people aren't here in the summertime. People take holidays. You know what I mean? And I know it's, um, I know with the pandemic, it's slightly, it may be slightly different this year. It might be staycations, but I'm sure people want to have a break 
post-marking um, to get away from it all and probably just to, to chill out because it's a very anxious time for a lot of us. Um, yeah. So it's having bodies or the, the time. So you've got the bodies in, but just time's against you. Um, That's right. So it could be very difficult for not just for the people, the academics, but for the people um, designing, the people supporting the people designing, the people supporting the, the services themselves. So it's yeah. it, it trickles down. I think it's something that's overlooked a lot. And if it wasn't the summertime, I'd be like, yeah, but summertime the nightmare for getting stuff done. Yeah, I agree. And the best of times it is too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I'm I'm certainly getting uh, some 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 gentle encouragement to take some of my annual leave. Annual leave as well because i've yet yet to do so um yeah so i think you have to manage that as best as possible but that that is certainly a pinch point in this whole process Mm. technology is a pinch point (laughs) which is i think there's there's a it's it's like a pinch point and an opportunity in some respects too and i and again that's just being foolishly optimistic but uh, in the previous podcast i had mentioned some of the african universities that i work with and so i see that a restraint being a design asset in some respects. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think I've written opportunities as well for something to discuss. And I think you're right. The, the two do blend um, in quite nicely because it is a great chance for people to review and to consider and to think and, and maybe adopt some things that we already offer at the institution. But um, it, for people to maybe to learn things and get their head around things and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a lot to take on. Um, yeah. It's, it can be daunting. Yeah. So maybe this is a good chance to talk real quickly about the course that uh, that we developed and are teaching here at the university right now. We call it like a, it's a training program. It's really just how to teach online. So it's not it was created in a pre hybrid kind of space, but it's essentially designed to it's a seven week course that we're running over the summer in multiple instances. We're, we're doing a run of 200 faculty and, and, and staff now. We're doing another run in June of 400, and then I'll, I'll just just collapse, I guess, and then <laughs> wake up sometime in September and uh, hopefully teach my MSc course. And uh, but ultimately, so that course is designed to get faculty, a lot of people who are very very inexperienced with with technology, and like how do I find the LMS? How do I post to a discussion board, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, is to walk them through concepts around teaching online like time and space, uh, distance, contact, how all of these things are expressed online. And it takes them through as many of the technologies, the core university supported technologies uh, that we can. It gets them all to experience it as a student might. Mm. All right. So the frustration one might feel on a discussion board, you know, the, the being annoyed when your live session cuts out or whatever it is, uh, they get to experience all of that. Uh, as a student might. And in that course, what we're seeing is the technology. So what what is really being expressed is this initial, uh, a lot of people are, are very switched on to the idea and they're just jumping with all the concepts and, and really starting to think through their own practice for the next academic year. But we're seeing others that are meeting it with the trepidation and the fear and the anxiety, which is perfectly natural. And they go through uh, the period of disillusionment. <laughs> and then you, uh, they come out the other side, hopefully, with a, some sense of catharsis that they've, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can we can make this work uh, for the next academic year. And all the tutors are there just offering just endless support and optimism. And we think it's really a, a training program about, quote unquote, about teaching online, but it's also like an expression of care, which we've been emphasizing 
a lot here as well. So a lot of the things that are emerging from the course are some of these pinch points. I mean, they're reiterating some of these pinch points and how, how on earth they were going to be able to do this um, in the current workload models. And uh, I defer those questions because I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand what my own workload is. <laughs> I'll tell you so, what, you, you, you know, if you do doing those, all those runs of the courses, you know, your resource will be very stressed anyway, because you'll be asked to take annual leave as well. So it's, it's a great example of pinch points. Sure. There's a pinch point. So yeah, all these things have to line up kind of in some way. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a whole period where you have two weeks when somebody's on annual leave and for two weeks and that whole aspect of the of the sequence shuts down, that's problematic. So you have to try to line these up as best as possible. Mm. Now, the desire bit is an interesting inclusion. What do you, <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so um, like anything, we have to want to do something. Um and it's a desire for individuals or schools or programs or whatever you want to call them to do all this. Because I think there's this great, there's a lot of discussions that happen. And I think there has been this, I think there has been a desire of goodwill to get everything on for the end semester too. But, I, you know, I think that might start to be disappearing. Um, and, uh, you know, it is extreme. It's an extreme situation, and there's other anxieties going on. Things and and people's desires to adopt and to offer these things might change and might slip. Um, so you know why? Why should I? Why should I be doing this? Why do I need to change this? Um, I'm quite happy doing what I did before. That's the way I want to do it. So, is there a desire to to review, to adapt, to change, to evolve? Um, um, and and that's not just from the staff. That's from, and I want to highlight this is from staff and students as well. So, sure. you know, we can offer this and say, yeah, this is here, but there might not be any kind of appetite or desire from the students to say, well, you know what? I don't want to do it. I don't want to go this year. Yeah. Now, I think that's certainly a possibility is that you're going to see a decent amount of deferrals or yeah. people trying to hold their place for another year or whatever it might be. Uh, or just if it's like, for example, a one year master's degree face to face. You might just defer, defer indefinitely. Yeah, well, yeah. It. And, and it's you know, we're, I think we're so. I know the kind of key points we talked about before are focused on you know staff really at the institutions, um, and I think it's the first time we've actually you know touched on that student desire to come here and you know and that experience. And I know I, I know I've got the points uh, later on, but I think it's worth talking about now about you know that kind of. It's not you know, the, the Edinburgh experience, as it's always called, um, about coming on campus. You know, and for those that don't know Edinburgh, Edinburgh is um, Edinburgh University. It's sprawled all over the city and out with the city as well. Um, so it's a massive campus. And um, Edinburgh itself is a, is a beautiful place to live. Um, so it's that kind of that experience, that campus experience that they're living with, you know, the fantastic spaces that we have, the fantastic buildings and resources available to people. Uh, and also that city experience about going out around the grass market when you're near one and probably go into the Three Sisters and St. Paddy's Day where you can't move because it's absolutely rammed and it's a nightmare. But that's what students like. So there's, you know, that's disappearing as well. Or potentially that's going to, not disappearing, that's going to change for the new normal for the short term. So it's maybe have an impact on whether students actually want to come or not. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, that whole point about the physical 
uh, campus versus the physical city. So in a weird way, they're going to have access to the physical city before mm. they have access to the campus. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, the lockdown for them to move about the, the, the city of Edinburgh, which is one of the, the real draws for many, mm. uh, will be probably eased before we can do anything incredibly uh, uh, dense or socially involved on the campus itself. Mm. So it's interesting. So there's a, there's, there's different angles there too. It's like how, how much of the physical campus makes up the student experience versus how much of the city itself makes up the student experience. It's yeah, a mixture right. of both for yeah. sure. But it's interesting. It's like really the, the issue is even on the campus, they could conceivably come on. There's nothing going to stop them from coming on campus no. and they're going to be encouraged to come on campus. Yeah. But they, it's about socially distancing. Yes. And so the pinch points there become not so much the physical access to the physical campus or access to the city. The, the pinch points become the classroom. Yep. Like we're anywhere where there's population density, sort of uh, people moving in kind of circles around each other or whatever it might be. So it's the actual physical classroom that actually constitutes the, the problem. Yeah, and I, I, you're right. I think it's, I think someone said that in a 500-seat lecture theater, there are allowed, it's, it's something like 20 people. Yeah, that's essentially it. So that's what we're looking at. We're, we're looking at the large, very large lecture halls here can hold, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, whatever it is, people, but spread out, socially distanced six feet apart, which ma- doesn't make, regardless, I mean, the face-to-face experience in that is probably pretty poor no matter what. Mm. Uh, but we're thinking through the models around like tutor rooms, uh, tutorial rooms and uh, seminar rooms, the slightly smaller things where they can actually host the lecturer and or a handful of students. Uh, and then you would have some students online as well. So we're, we're sort of exploring, uh, trying to model out what that looks like. Uh, and then we have some ideas around that. So that's actually becoming the real focus of our activity. How does that work in the physical classroom and how does that work in synchronous activity? Mm, it's it's going to be like, that's it. It's, you know, because I, th- I think when this when the discussion first happened about the large lecture theater, we were like, God, how do you let 18 people come? Who's the 18 people? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, well, I think that's uh, one of the biggest questions, right? <laughs> Who, how, how do we choose the 18 people? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, and then we're like, well, we can't choose 18 people. That's ridiculous. Um, but it was, it was like, well, and then like, well, just, just as, as, as we talked about in the previous podcast, you know, the, the institutions are going to record large or l- record lectures. Um, so they'll be online or some of them are going to do that. So they'll be online, but they'll still offer those seminars, tutorials, face-to-face contact with, you know, the one-to-ones. Because obviously if two meters apart and you're not getting symptoms, then you're absolutely fine. So it's just that kind of um, adapting it in a way, in a weird way. It is kind of flipping it but it's not really flipping it. So it is a bit, it is a bit. I mean, it's essentially, it is when I, when I said in a previous podcast that this is, isn't necessarily blended learning, mm. it is kind of, but it just as a blended learning sort of assumes you have unfettered access to the campus and then yeah. the online space yeah. and you're moving kind of seam- seamlessly between the two. We don't have that luxury because not everybody will be able to seamlessly move between the two. So we need a shared experience somehow. And, and I think that's it. When, when we're saying, campus we mean physical entry to buildings and rooms because Edinburgh university is all over the city yeah so it's not like you right. say we'll go to that campus east of bush is probably 
Say, yeah, so we we should say we have separate campuses, Easterbush, which I believe is the veterinary yes. school. Uh, we have Little France, which is the medical school. Both of those are fairly far outside the city. Mm. And uh, we have King's Buildings where the science and the science and mathematics and engineering yeah. Yeah. are located. And that's slightly outside the city as well. So, And then you have the main campus. And even within the city itself, the main, quote unquote, main campus is scattered throughout the city. Yeah, I think, I think they... I think when they map it out, there's like, um, I think there's a stretch where all the buildings kind of interlink. And we work from one side. So we work in, um, well, we did work in Argyle House in the Lawson Street. And then, you know, there's a stretch of four miles. You can draw a line and there's buildings left and right of it all over the place. And it's, it's you know, if anybody's ever been to Edinburgh and been to the Edinburgh Festival, you've probably been at Edinburgh University building because most of the festival is hosted in Edinburgh University That's buildings. Right. So. That's right. And it's really spread out. So when you talk about opening the campus, it's going to be a very selective opening. Mm. Certain buildings will open, not everyone. You'll be trying to control access and activity. Yeah. Um, but again, you, you'll have the capacity to walk around. I mean, I think that will be eased before anything else. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing so what other – well, the nations are doing as well by distance. So I know we're we're two meters, um, but other places are between one and one point five. Yeah, and I, I think we should see this. I mean, we see the phases of activity in the UK, but we should see this as a moving. Some of this is going to evolve. We're going to, you know, we're going to get more information that changes what we're doing right now. Well, I think we just have to be open to that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, is it Singapore? All universities went back last week. Um, and I, th- I think it was there somewhere else, but yeah, you know, I, I used to live in, uh, I used to live in Korea for a long, long time and, and, uh, they never closed essentially only certain uh, cities. So it wasn't, uh, a, a, and they kept it largely under control. So they had a, a recent slight outbreak, a re- resurgence of it and they closed some bits down, but it was very, very selective. So the schools never closed. Mm, but that's the localization, isn't it? The localization it, of they, lockdown. Yeah, they were very much able to do it very surgically due to the testing. But yeah, we'll see. So the desire bit, though, I think is interesting. Like you, what you mentioned earlier, what's the appetite for this sort of thing, and how do we how do we manage support and care and make them uh, make students feel as part of this community as much as any of us? Mm. Uh, it's a tall order, but I think it's possible. Yeah, again, that's just being optimistic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's been sh- like you, like we've already touched on. In other podcasts, it's been shown that this can, this works. You know what I mean? We can create this kind of um, online slash. Well, we can create this hybrid model, and we can we can make it that students feel like they're part of it and they're involved, and you know, they are looked after. Yeah, and I think you know that that spirit of saying to them honestly and forthrightly, we're we're doing this for the first time. We're learning as we go. We want you to be a part of this. We need you to be a part of this. And we want you to feel like you're a part of this. I think being very honest and forthright with the messaging and with the activity is the way forward. And I think I think we've, I think one of the other things we got there is the messaging and, the, and about the communication and about maybe how, you know, it's interesting that we've said the word hybrid and, and like going back to like what Cambridge said and how they had to come out. And they actually came out and they just said, you know, that's how it's, you know, Kim said we're going to go online lectures, and the media jumps all over it and says that means you're moving the whole experience to online. Online, it must mean this, and they had to come out and correct it as well. It's about the communication, the language used around it. Um, 
just it's to true. just to make sure that people understand because and that's probably one of the reasons why the word hybrid's been you know hybrid's trendy um but <laughs> it's <laughs> but i think it's kind of it does kind of cover you know it is a like i say that blend of that seamless fluid fluidity between campus and digital um as if required um and the joining of those two cohorts as well so it's yeah, I think sense. it's a no. It, it does make sense. I think it's a. It is the way forward for us, at least. Yes. Uh, uh, we we feel like we can make a run at this and make this work. Uh, it's going to take a considerable out of effort, and uh, it m- may ultimately prove not to work. But we think it will put us in a better place uh, for COVID, uh, for this COVID response, and post COVID. So that's essentially why we think it's necessary. Yeah. Um, the campus, I'm going to skip down a little bit so we have a little outline here, but the campus experience, and I I, I sort of want to, because I think we're coming up on time here, but I I sort of want to uh, return to a previous uh, project. It's called the Manifesto for Teaching Online. It's from the Center for Research and Digital Education. So a lot of the same people who crafted that manifesto, and you can find it online, Manifesto for Teaching Online. A lot of people who crafted that manifesto are largely involved or and or responsible for this for this hybrid uh, response at the University of Edinburgh. And I think I want to quote one of them that we are the campus. Uh, one of the points from the manifesto is that we are the campus. So what that means to an 18 year old and you're trying to explain that to them conceptually what that you are the campus, um, it's it's a difficult uh, message to have, but it is the correct one is that the campus is where we are. And that whether that is uh, online or on campus or in some mixed mode or in movements between the two, that's important. That it, it is part of the campus is the architecture and the physicality and the materiality of the whole thing. But part of it is the people. And that can take place online and on campus simultaneously. Mm. So that was my rousing little quote. Well, I think that's a great way to end it as well. Because I think you're right. Because it is. I think we're obsessed with buildings. We love buildings, and um, it's it's hard not to be in Edinburgh. To be perfectly honest, the oh, first yeah. time I the first time I came here, I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is some magical land." But uh, but yes, it's not only the buildings. Yeah, but we do get lost in the fact that it's, it's, it's it shouldn't be seen as so the building shouldn't be a, it should be you don't you don't learn just in a building or walk out stop learning. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 just a facilitation tool. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a context. It's a backdrop. It's, mm. It structures our learning, but it isn't our learning necessarily. Yeah, yeah. So I th- it's a good place to start. So keep your spirits up, is what we're saying essentially, and yes. uh, do do the best you can. Remember, we're all in this together, and uh, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure something out on the other end of this. Yeah, I think it's yeah, and it is it's it's difficult, and it is difficult, and it's going to be tricky, and and it's. Um, God, I read someone's blog. It was brilliant. And it was three lines. This is really hard. We're doing our best. Nothing's changed. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it is just unbelievable strange times. But we it are is. Yeah. figuring and it out. And, um, we are. And take a beat. It's like every so often it's important. And you know that everybody listening knows this. And, and Miles and I know this and everything. But take a, take a pause. Take a beat. Mm. Take a time out, you know, have a, have a little freak out. It's okay. It's really okay. There's no bad response here. It's just the, uh, I think the only bad response is no response. 
Yeah, and, and it's looking after yourself. And that's it's looking key, after yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? That's the key thing. Just keep yourself going. Don't that's go, right. Don't go crazy on it. And that's right. Uh, the amount of people I say it's just it's unbelievable circumstances that we're in. So don't put yourself under additional pressure. That's correct. Quite a lot. That's correct. Yeah. So I think for me that would be expressed in, in you know eight hours of meetings in any given day. <laughs> <laughs> that that where is when I most readily notice that I need care. <laughs> I need to self practice self care. Oh, I'm good. like as a as my soul is being sucked from my body uh, <laughs> through meetings. But in these kinds of conversations, I'm much more much 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 happier. Yes, That's nice all right. So it is nice. It's nice to have a conversation. Um. So we'll close it, I guess. Yeah. All right. And so uh, with those parting thoughts of good cheer and goodwill. Uh, this is Michael Gallagher saying goodbye. And this is Miles Blaney uh, saying goodbye and take care. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend.